Matthew chapter 7, tonight as we continue our study, and uh, the danger is real. The Bible speaks about false prophets a lot, and, and I know I've been on this passage of Scripture, and I was thinking, how do I go about this? And one of the things that we're going to go through, and I don't know if I'll necessarily get through it tonight, most likely I'll get through it next week in the end, but I was began to think, does God have prerequisites to ministry and leadership positions? And the answer to that is an affirmative yes. There, yes, there's always. God, God is very orderly, very structured, and he always puts things in line for us to know. Hey, here's the qualifications. Here's the way you ought to do it. Here's the reason. And God has, you know, God always does things in orderly fashion. It's not chaotic. It's not harsh. You know what? And as I've been going through the book of Jeremiah, and uh, my own personal devotions and several other books looking at, but as I'm in Jeremiah, one of the things that is constantly that God always gives warnings before judgment comes. He doesn't just, oh, you messed up, I'm going to throw down the hammer. God doesn't work that way. God always works in a structured fashion, always. And as you think on these things that sometimes people might say, well, I just feel like this. I feel God leading me to do this. But you always have to get back, and those feelings can come. But you have to vet or filter those very ideas that you're thinking through the standard of Scripture. It's not a willy-nilly, feel-free, all-you-can-be kind of thing. Because God is orderly and structured. And as you think on these things, it, it brings, I mean, that way you're not like, well, why is this? You know, and, and God all, we have to get, and I know I'm repeating myself. But structure comes from God. Chaos does not come from God. When our lives are chaotic, there's something wrong. There's something in my connection with God that is off. Because if you, the closer you get to God, it's going, you're, it's going to change you. Now I realize some people are much more meticulous than others, much more orderly than others. But there ought to be a, a, a standard that begins to form in your life as you get closer to God. It's different for everyone, so I'm not, I can't set a stand. Thus saith the Lord, I can't set that. Because we're each different persons. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus is trying to warn his disciples. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon to, it's for disciple making. He says, if you want to follow me, here's certain things you do. If you want to follow me, here's certain things to avoid because I don't want you to get hurt. And I'm so thankful for the goodness and mercy of God to give us these warnings. Verse 15 of Matthew chapter 7 tonight. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. You men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree. That bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire, wherefore by their fruit ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name, and thy name done many, and, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and Great was the fall of it, and it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Where he leads me, I will follow. What he tells me, I will do, is essentially what he's telling us in this passage of Scripture. The Bible speaks about false prophets a lot, and Jesus is concerned of false doctrine and proud religion coming into the church that he started with his 12 disciples. He gives ample warning of these pernicious teachers and we cannot be haphazard to listen. You know, we, you want to listen to preachers and teachers and all sorts of things. And you go to YouTube and you could listen to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of various preachers of all various colors and stripes. But the thing that distinguishes a right preacher from a wrong preacher is the teaching not just that they use Jesus' name, because as you find here in Matthew 5, Lord, Lord, they can say, Jesus, Jesus, I've done it in your name. He says, I don't know you. And just because that name is used doesn't necessarily make it right. Because if it doesn't conform to the standard of God's word, then it's not correct. Now, you, can, you may be able to get away with it for a while listening to these teachers, but I guarantee listening to false teaching over a while is going to skew and change your thinking. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. If you're around bad friends for a while, it's going to bring you down a bad path. And friend, we must be aware of these false prophets. They're proud. They come as very meek and humble, but they're seeking to get a following. They will not follow the word of God. They seek to lure the believers or pursue, of, of people who are pursuing truth away from the truth so they can devour them. And Satan may use persecution, but he uses the most frequent tactics to get people away from sound doctrine. The end result is disaster. The issue of false prophets are not a suspect to culture or time through every age. There has always been false doctrine. Jesus speaks about it in the first century. Now there are universal biblical truths in which people must listen to or face the catastrophic consequences therein. Lord Jesus and his holy word does not leave us to determine the qualifications for such offices of pastor, priest, apostle to our own prerequisites or our own feelings. He's given clear indicators. As I mentioned, God always is orderly and structured. When the Lord works, it's always in line with his character of holiness. As I mentioned before, and I did a number of weeks ago, false prophets are detected by the holiness or lack thereof of their followers. When I mean holiness, there's a desire that I want to be pure and I want to be pleasing to my Father. 
And God calls us to be holy as He is holy. As we look at this tonight, let us pray and ask the Lord for His help. This is serious because as you think, everything we, as a Christian, everything I do, and how I'm evaluated as I stand before God someday, I'm not evaluated by how I think about things. I'm evaluated by how I think upon the standard of God's Word. This is my foundation. It's not how I feel at the moment. Because God calls us to, te- to bring all thoughts into captivity through the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 about casting down imaginations. So if God calls us to that, to the obedience of Christ and the filter of God's word, then then it's very true that a false prophet will not necessarily, will not meet the qualifications of Scripture. Will not meet the qualifications of the office upon which they're uh, seeking to be a part of. The danger is real, my friend. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you for this evening, and Lord, I want to thank you for your grace. I pray that you would guide every word I speak, and Lord, I pray you'd help me to be gracious. Lord, this sometimes can be seen as arrogance, and and Father, I don't want that at all. But Lord, I pray for each and every person you've brought here tonight, each and every precious person. Father, that you would keep us from going in a destructive path that would lead us in the very ways that would cause consequences with which we do not desire. Because we've listened to false teaching. Lord, I yield this evening to Thee, and I thank You for being our gracious and wonderful Savior. God, You take over this evening. We need Your strength, Your presence with us. Father, I love You. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you for your love and continual care. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. I was reading this particular, there's this email that comes out, Days of Praise, a daily devotional, and one of the things that they had, look with me at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. We will come back to Matthew eventually. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible tells us of several things. And it had an interesting, I want to read this email, this particular devotional. I thought it was quite appropriate. And uh, uh, a good email, kind of get your daily, it's one of the devotions I may look at on a daily basis. And, uh, but in 1 John chapter 4, I'm in 1 Peter, that's not going to help me very much. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1, excuse me. The Bible tells us, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Now why does he tell us this? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And as this said, there's an unusual emphasis in the New Testament on false prophets. The Greek word that is here used appears 11 times and has no corresponding word in the Old Testament. Of the 298 usages of prophet in the Hebrew Scriptures, eight of them are connected to false prophets and only in relation to visions and dreams. In the New Testament, the very word pseudo-prophetess, like fake prophet, right, false prophet, are workers of miracles and signs and wonders. These are the false prophets. John gives us the warning to try the spirits because many false prophets are now here. And prior to, false, uh, prior to Christ's coming, the false dreamer, Deuteronomy 13, would readily be exposed 
when his prophecy did not come about, such a false prophet was to be executed according to the Old Testament law. But the prophets of the last time will perform great wonders and can, and can seduce even the elect. It is possible for true believers to be deceived by these false prophets. We've got to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And here comes the problem of these false prophets. They come from a quote-unquote Christian background. They deny the Lord uh, Jesus in some way, the biblical Lord, in some way or other fashion. They might give attest to him they might say well i believe in him uh, they might talk about him but there are certain things about jesus of, of the scriptures that they do not agree with the, these individuals these individuals may become very popular thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people follow them and they tend to be quite prolific with emotionally motivated people people with a lot of problems potentially Someone who's led by their emotions, they're going to be those individuals to draw you in because the emotions are so powerful. Just because my emotions are leading me in a direction does not mean it's necessarily good for me. There are times where, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're like, I really don't want to go to, I don't want to go to work today. Ever had that? I don't want to go to school today. I don't, want to, I don't want to go to church today. I get that way sometimes. Now, if I follow my emotions, that's a bad day. It's going to be felt if I follow my emotions. Your emotions can deceive you. And just because it feels good doesn't necessarily mean it's of the Holy Spirit. In addition, what these prophets do is they degrade the doctrines. That word doctrine means teachings of the Bible. They will stimulate greed to attract followers. Send me your $5. God will multiply it 100 times. Ever heard something like that? Call this helpline. We'll pray for you and we'll multiply your money and you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. God will heal your sickness if you have enough faith. All these sorts of promises... And many times when these things don't come to fruition, they don't come true, it's left with the listener thinking God doesn't care about me. When that's not the case at all, God does care, but you've been listening to the wrong crowd. You realize the danger of false prophets, there's a severe punishment on them. In Isaiah 8, 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah said, listen, if they're not speaking the same word as I'm speaking, Isaiah, one of the prophets of God, he said, if they're not speaking the same thing, it's because they don't have light in them. Jeremiah and Hananiah both were both prophets. But, you know, in this case... Of Jeremiah and Hananiah, Hananiah was not genuine. Look with me at Jeremiah chapter 28. Who you listen to will determine the direction you go with your life. Jeremiah 28, 15. 
I remember thinking many years ago while I was in university and I was studying not in ministry, I was studying for a secular job and and I was at a number of churches where in the area where I was at and I went to a whole bunch of them and I kept just thinking, I mean this thought continually came through my mind, very frequently, not continually, but it frequently came through my mind. Is there a church like what Jesus started? I want to be a part of that type of church. And you think about this, that Jesus warns us to test every one of these prophets. And when they do not abide in the doctrine of Christ, we are to reject their teaching and not have any fellowship with them. 2 John 1, 9 through 11. And that they're dangerous, Matthew 7, 15. In Jeremiah 28, verse 15, Jeremiah is up against, Jeremiah is preaching judgments coming, repent, and by the way, the Babylonians are coming, they're going to overtake us, you can't stop them, you can run, don't run, just surrender to them, surrender to the Babylonians, and you'll be safe. Which goes against our thinking, you're thinking, an invading army's coming in, why don't I run? But God has given warning, he'd already given protection, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. And, and I want you to settle down, I want you to get married, or do whatever you're going to do, settle down, and uh, just get comfortable. They're going to take you, they may take some of you to Babylon, that's okay, you're not going to die, you'll be okay. But you just need to follow. And there were so many prophets in that day that were against Jeremiah, and they had large gatherings of people like, whoa. Jeremiah 28, 15, then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, hear now Hananiah. The Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. God says, listen, Hananiah said the people returned to Judah in two years. They had been taken into Babylon. Jeremiah said you're in Babylon 70 years. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't get out of here. This is God's plan for your life. 70 years you're going to be a captive in Babylon. But you'll be, able to, you'll be able to settle down, have a life in Babylon. It's not in your homeland, but it's in Babylon. You'll be safe, you'll live, you'll have kids and grandkids, and it'll be wonderful. But this is a part of the judgment. Hananiah comes along and says, nope, in two years we're going to be out of here. People are like, woohoo! I mean, when you're hearing a message from a prophet, you're like, which one? I like the two-year option a whole lot better than the 70-year option. I mean, I'm just being real with you. Two years sounds a whole lot better than 70 being stuck in a land that's not my own. God told the people to surrender to Babylon and don't go to Egypt and don't ask Egypt for help. But false prophets like Hananiah, they preached a message of peace. And the crowds followed them. They hated Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of these prophets. I mean, Jeremiah's got to be one of the prophets of doom. God's judgment's coming. God's judgment's coming. God's judgment. Oh, Jeremiah, keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear it anymore, Jeremiah. Get lost, Jeremiah. Oh, that guy, man, he's got to be the uh, most negative person I've heard. God's judgment. God's judgment. I mean, this is, this is what the people think of him. Jeremiah's ministry, he was told, I've ordained you from the womb. God's done a great work. God's chosen him and given him his words. And everything Jeremiah said came true. And the people are like, I don't want to listen to you. 
God told Jeremiah, listen, Jeremiah, I don't want you to marry. And I also, uh, I want you to preach the message. I want you to preach the words that I give to you. And uh, by the way, Jeremiah, no, no one's going to listen to you. I have to say that's a little bit discouraging. Jeremiah didn't have the crowds. In Ezekiel 13, 16, it talks about the prophets, to wit the prophets of Israel, which prophesy concerning Jerusalem, and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, saith the Lord God. Ezekiel 13, Matthew, uh, Micah chapter 3, they, they begin to just, peace is coming, peace is coming, peace and joy and wealth and health and prosperity, and if you do this, and God will bless you, and, and you'll be wealthy, and, and you'll be healthy, and, and you'll have the best life ever. Be your best self. not understanding that the judgment that was coming upon Israel and eventually into Judah was because of idolatry. They did life their own way. They wouldn't listen to instructions. They wouldn't listen to God. The message of peace is something that we like to hear. In Jeremiah 29, 21, These prophets, these non-God-ordained prophets, were a bunch of liars, though they spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 21 of Jeremiah 29, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, of Ahab, the son of Coliah, and, and of Zedekiah, the son of Maaseiah, which prophesy a lie unto you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them in the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes. Understand this, if you falsely prophesy, God says... I'm going to judge you. Sure, you can preach your peace for a while, but there's going to come a time where I'm going to judge you. In Jeremiah 29, it's a fearful thing to mess with the Lord's work. If we speak what the Bible doesn't say, you are up against an almighty God. Jeremiah 29, 32, the Bible tells us, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Nehelamite and his seed. He shall not have a man to dwell among this people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord, because he hath taught rebellion against the Lord. The prophet's family would be destroyed. Those who followed his teachings. You realize those who followed the miracles and the signs of the Antichrist were destroyed and cast in the lake of fire? Revelation 19.20 tells us this. There is a demand for a pastor and a leadership to reprove. You see, a pastor, look with me at John chapter 10. You go to the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave, the, I mean, Jesus gives us, Jesus is our example. And I know we like these wonders and signs and all these various sorts of things, but you have to evaluate what's going on. And you have to evaluate the fruit in saying, is that bringing about holiness where people are leaving sin? Or does this give them the good feeling to think that the results that they're seeing must be of God and so they're, they're, they're persisting in a lifestyle inconsistent with God's holiness. In John chapter 10, verse 12, But he that is an hireling, and, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, 
And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. A pastor is going to warn and move the people away from danger. But Jesus Christ warns and moves the people away from danger. Hey, a wolf is coming. It tells us about a, 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 a false prophet is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, he's got an ultimate mask. He looks like a sheep. may talk like a sheep. But he's waiting to get you by yourself so he can devour you. Look with me at 1, John, uh, 1 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. This idea of reproof is all throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament. And many times people uh, try to discount Paul and, and try to exclude the, the books that God used, Paul, who was the penman, to, to, to write down. God's the author, but Paul was the penman. And they'll say, Paul's books are no good. Well, because Paul's books rebuke error and do false doctrine. It's easy to dismiss the messenger and the message because it doesn't conform to your worldview. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible tells us, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, Notice with me the order and the structure here. Behave thyself in the house of God, like a local church, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the what? Truth. Truth is what is to be in God's house. In verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Look with me at Titus chapter 1, verse 9. In Titus chapter 1, 1st, 2nd Timothy, all the T books are together. 1st Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Timothy, 2nd Timothy, Titus. All, in the New Testament, all the T books are together, if you want to think about that easy way to remember it. Amen? And uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by what? Sound, right? Sound doctrine. Genuine doctrine. True doctrine. Both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Sound New Testament truth, the biblical truth, what it does here is it tells us it convinces the gainsayers, those who are saying against for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. He's saying there's a whole lot of false teachers amongst the Jews. That's why he says especially of the circumcision. He's talking about the Jews. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. They're teaching it because they want to get wealthy off of it. The warnings are there. That word by sound, that word, that word sound doctrine means to be free or free from error and to be correct. And the Bible tells us that it is always to be praising God, not oneself. It's not look at the, the, the miracles or look at the things that I can do. Because the moment I make those statements, the, I am totally removing God, and I'm putting myself in God's place, and God will have no part of that. 
because everything is to make God look good. Now, I've heard some people say, Pastor, why would you mention some names of some particular preachers in our modern day? I'd like you to look with me. There is a, because, and the reason why I do, I'll answer that here in a second. But I find you in Scripture, there's biblical precedence for doing so. Now, because if you name a preacher, that's not saying I'm better than them. It's not saying I'm, I've somehow got a secret path to God. It's not a, none of that. What it's saying is, they're not according to truth. If you tell your kids, don't hang around these friends, are you saying your kids are better than them? No, you're just saying, they're going a direction I don't want you to go. The direction they're going is going to hurt you. And because I love you, I don't want you to go that way. And that is what scripture, and when you name names, you're saying, listen, if you go this direction, you're going in the very way where you're going to get hurt. Unnecessarily. You can be very sincere, very passionate, but we can be very sincerely and passionately wrong. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20. Let's look at verse 19 for context. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Of whom? We find the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Spirit of God, is, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Look with me at 2 Timothy 4.14. Now, there is a way with which you can talk about someone else and say, hey, if you go this direction, it's not going to be good. I, I promise you, it's, it's not in line with the standard of God's word. But they talk about Jesus, and this is, and this, and this, and all these sorts of things are happening. It has to align with God's word. Because the moment it gets to the position that it's open to your interpretation, my interpretation, then the Bible is brought down to a standard of whatever is right for every person. And the moment the Bible is brought off the shelf from up high in its place of prominence, brought down to the shelf, well, this means you to you, and I'm glad it works for you, and this means you to you, and, you know, we are now the authority and God is not. You see, what God's desire is, is it's not to bring the Bible down, it's to bring us up to the Bible to understanding what God wants us to do. God wants to bring us up. It's not bring the Bible down, not bring God down. God wants to bring us up. Because as he talks about, be holy for I am holy. Well, holiness is to bring us up to the standard of God, not bring God down to our standard. We find in 2 Timothy 4.14, the Apostle Paul says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to, the, to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. He says, listen, Alexander the coppersmith is a man that did me great evil, and you better beware of this man. He withstood. He rejected our words. He is no good. Don't listen to Alexander the coppersmith. He names names. 
If I, but, but there is a way that you can deliver the message in a right way or a wrong way. Let me give you an example here. If you're a parent and you have kids and your kids begin to hang out with some unsavory fo- folks, and you begin to say, these particular folks, what a bunch of idiots and morons and, and jerks, and you, know, you use all these sorts of adjectives. You're not really telling your kids why they're bad. You're just saying, you're really saying emotionally, I don't like them. But if you tell them, listen, they're doing some actions. If it continues in this direction, it's going to greatly harm you and hurt you. And I love you and I don't want you to be hurt. As a parent, I've learned a few things more than you have. I'm not better than, as a parent, we want to love and we want to protect our kids and be there for them and do all we can because our kids are our own flesh and blood and we want to do all we can. And Jesus, if you're a child of God, you're his flesh and blood and he wants to keep you from harm. But he doesn't come in a harsh way. (sighs) It's never I'm better than. I want you to look with me at the book of 3 John. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. In 3rd John, verse 9. The Apostle John had a man in the church was a great problem. In verse 9 of the book of 3 John, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, this man wants to be seen for how great he is. Receiveth us not, wherefore if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. He would say falsely th- false things about the apostle John. Malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. You're not like me. Get out of my church. Get out of here, right? That's a diatrophies. The moment we begin to get into this feeling-based, I don't like you, you don't do it just like this, get out of here, It is a moment that this book no longer has preeminence in our lives. This isn't the standard. It's your emotions and your heart and your feelings. And when you get to that place, oh my friend, that's a dangerous place to be. Because you will be hurt and hurt bad. Go with me to the next book, Jude. Look with me at verse 15. In Jude 15, let's look at uh, verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Why is he coming? To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed, ungodly committed. And of, all their hard, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them, these are murmurers, complainers, Walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. He says there's mockers, ungodly deeds, murmurers, complainers. Did you hear that guy? Oh, oh he's wrong again. Wrong here, wrong here, wrong here. It was not too long ago there was a particular email. There's a whole bunch of preachers in Canada, and there's an email list that I'm on with them, and all these various pastors from all over the land, all over Canada. And I think there's 300 and something on this list. But anyways, <clears throat> and this, somehow this crackpot, I would say, uh, got on this email list, and, and he just came attacking one pastor, attacking the pastor down in Winkler, and just vile things he was saying that were, he does, I mean, it was all doctrinal, it wasn't any accusation, but just the tone of voice was so awful and caustic and toxic and, and it was totally unfounded. And the man himself is a very critical, uh, ever been around someone who's always critical? This is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. You know what it does is, that, man, it, you could have some joy, and you begin to get around him, you're just like, ugh. I mean, they're like, you know, depression are us. Because it's always critical and critical and critical and critical. There's no joy. And here in this thing, complainers walking after their own lust, they begin to, they want what they want and they want it how they want it. And if, and if it doesn't go the way they want, then they complain and they murmur and, and they gripe. And I mean, it's just, it, it, it impresses your spirit. There's mockers. Oh, not them again. And what God's trying to do is listen. When these people, these murmurers and complainers in critical attitude, we're supposed to walk in the joy of the Lord. I'm not, you know what? Yes, there's problems with the earth. Yes, there's problems with our government. Yes, there's problems with our city and our nation and our, you know, all sorts of problems are there. But you know what? Jesus is still king. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still going to rule and reign one day. I am still a child of God. Things aren't going to change. You know what I need to do? Just do what I've been called to do. Be a witness for Jesus Christ. I have tracks up here, and there's tracks back there, and these little pamphlets, man, they tell you how to know Jesus. We can complain all day long about what's happening in Ottawa, but we forget what's happening in Thompson. Lives are being ruined. And yes, there's a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, I can get so absorbed with everything that I lose track of what I've been called to do. Love God. Love people. And if I get into this particular thing of false prophets and false doctrine and wrong doctrine and wrong teachings... It takes me out of the joy of the Lord, tries to put me into the joy of man, and it will only last for a time. And you'll be left wanting. I thought I'd get a little further this evening. I, don't, I won't start this next section for sake of time. The qualifications of service as a pastor and preacher and apostle. Someone's going to call themselves an apostle. They've got to be, according to Scripture, if they're going to call themselves a pastor, it has to be according to biblical qualifications, and so on and so forth. It's not just, oh, God gave me a dream, or God gave... 
you can't do it that way. The, God doesn't work that way. Yes, there was the calling there of the prophets in the Old Testament, but what God has done in the New Testament, he's very orderly and structured. And God's always orderly and structured. I mean, David as king was anointed by Samuel the, 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 Samuel the priest. Prophets, prophet, excuse me. And we have to take note, what am I listening to and what is the doctrinal foundation of the very teaching that is being given here? There are times as we grow, right, take, spit out, you know, eat the meat and spit out the bones. That is true, right? Spit out the bones means spit out that which is not good, but, but we still have to be careful because God loves us and he says, listen, there's hirelings in and if things go really south in this land, as it's probably going to do, and we know from the Bible it will in time, sometime, I want to make sure I'm on the right foundation. Because if I'm not on the right foundation, I'm not going to have the strength to endure the trials of life. As Jesus said, He that heareth my words and doeth them shall be like a man who built his house upon a rock. The winds and the waves, the, right, the struggles and trials and all that stuff comes and, and you're not moved. You're not thrown in the towel. You're not giving up. It's the other person who listens to the wrong stuff that builds their house on the sand. And when those hard times come, they wilt away or I want no longer to do with Jesus or all various things come in their minds because... They've been listening to the wrong words. And I'll talk about the qualifications of service next week by God's grace. Oh, my friend, Jesus is so good. He's good. Be he loves us, and I'm thankful for that. But in his love, because he loves us, he gives us warnings. He says, be careful. And the standard by which we're careful He's already given us the standards. He's already given us the instructions because He loves us. It's not trying to prop us up as some elite group or single, you know, narrow-minded. It has nothing about being narrow-minded. I just don't want to be wrong with God. I want to make sure I'm pleasing to Him. You know, if, if you're if your boss, say you're a painter and you're Paint, your boss says, I want you to go paint that house Pepto-Bismol pink. Why in the world you'd ever paint it that? I don't know. But actually, my, my family, as we grew, when I was growing up, we bought a house that was Pepto-Bismol pink. <laughs> anyways, maybe you like pink. I, I apologize if I offend you on that one. But anyways, I, I, I think it's a crazy color for a house. And your boss says, go paint the house Pepto-Bismol pink. And uh, you're like, you know what, I think I'll paint it green. I don't like pink. Is your boss going to be happy with you or not? No. Because you didn't receive the instructions. You didn't do what he called you to do. Well, I didn't feel like it. Well, you can feel like going somewhere else to work. But you're not getting a paycheck from me. Because now I have to undo everything and buy new paint. And you just wasted a ton of money. And time. And we don't make forward progress in our Christian life if we're listening to words that are not truth. It's this book. 
I've got to study it. We've been called study to show thyself approved. means pleasing to God. Proved unto God a man, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Man, my friend, Jesus is so good to protect us. As I mentioned this morning that authority is a gift. God does give us authority, and that authority there is to help nourish and feed and help protect us. That's what Jesus wants to do. He's the head. If we follow, you'll be nourished, you'll be fed, and you'll be protected. So we come to the invitation this evening with heads bowed and eyes closed. The first thing to do is, you know, if you want to be right with God, the first thing you must do is ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of every bad thing you've ever done if you've never done that. It's not a a merit-based system on who's good enough and my good works outweigh my bad works because all of our works are, we have, all of us have done bad. So we've all, we're all guilty. And I need to simply ask Jesus who wants to stand in my place of judgment and he wants to give me forgiveness if I'll receive his gift. And you just simply have to ask Jesus to forgive you trusting that Jesus alone is the only way for God's penalty to not be on your life. And the only means of reconciliation with God. You ask him, please forgive me of all my sins. God, I know I'm a wicked sinner. I know Jesus died on that cross and rose again. For me, I know I'm guilty. God, would you please forgive me and be my Savior? And if you'll do that, God says you're born again. You're, you're saved. And Christian, we've got to be careful. It's not of being better or trying to prop us up as some elite group of people who have some secret knowledge that are so much better than others. I just want to be right with Jesus, approved of God. And So with heads bowed and eyes closed this evening, as you pray and talk with the Lord, however He may have spoken to you, however the Spirit of God has led in, in, in your hearts and minds, I pray you just pray and talk with Him. If He's told you to do something, you ought to obey. The Spirit of God wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. He does so through the Word of truth and His Spirit which guides us. When you're done praying, look up and I'll conclude in prayer this evening.